Guess who I saw on Sunday? Who? Idris Elba. Did you? Your, your mum would have oh. loved it. It was disappointing. Oh. I also... Shorter than you, shorter than you realize, isn't it? No. No, he wasn't. Was he not? Oh, he is a big man. He's yeah. taller than you. He's a big guy. He's taller than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's even guy. got height. This son of a bitch. <laughs> you know when someone is tall, they're tall. He's big. He is a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. What, are you talking like me? Bro, like, kind he's, of, he's not, yeah. not as tall as you, but he's built like you. I was like, you don't look that big on TV. Like, we walked past him. We were on our run and we were just having a little walk, having a little stretch out and everything. And him and his wife were walking towards us as well. I was like, swear. And as we <laughs> I was like, shit, it is. Because initially I was just like, who's that big man going out with that young girl? <laughs> That's the first thing that I thought in my head. What in the Leo DiCaprio is going on? Gen- uh. Genuinely, genuinely. <laughs> And welcome to Black in a Box, the world is told by black faces in white spaces. I am not Dan Sherwood. He will be here soon. Basically, please pay train drivers so that we are able to do our podcast on time <laughs> with guests. Uh, that is my political message. Sort yourselves out. Dom, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I've just booked a holiday today. Yeah. <laughs> One of them easy jet, like Ryan Ertings. No. <laughs> you know, Carbon footprints are mad. You know <laughs> Listen, I've had 16 days off this year, so we've gone in. We've gone in. February, we're going global. Respect so to the hard work. Big up to mm. you for giving me some tips, and I oh, can't wait for the rest. Yes, 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 yes. Alana, how you doing? I am in between almost amazing and just a little bit shit. Shit, just because I'm just finishing up some work, some very stressful things, and I've got, like, the spot from Satan on my face <laughs> to show for it. Just a Nelly tribute act, people. Nelly tribute act for those So, yes. If you're viewing this on YouTube, there it is, and there it goes. Congratulations um, to Nelly as well, by the way. <laughs> oh. 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> you played the long the game. Long, you long played game. the long game. <laughs> this is that news that Nelly and Ashanti are expecting. The long, long game. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one. Thirteen-year-old Dom, I'm bitter. Yeah. Thirty-three-year-old Dom, <laughs> <laughs> she hey, is Anne. looking well. Hey, yeah. Oh, healthy, yeah. She looks very healthy. healthy. She healthy. eats well. Yeah. She must drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah. A shanty is a shanty. E- eating yam. The cocoa uh, butter. <laughs> yeah, all that. <laughs> so uh, we've got a lot of exciting topics coming up we're going to be talking about a lot of music uh, our year-end list what we've been listening to gonna touch on Beyonce might even talk a little bit about that COVID inquiry and the geniuses that are leading us but wanted to what was your top song of the year Alana? Top song was well top artist was Beyonce I'm embarrassed because my top I think my top song was so I'm a fitness coach now I'm full time fitness coach just love my corporate job I just put my so that honestly Bring Soul is probably the top song and every time I just quit my job but it wasn't the top song though was it no, I think it was. It was the top song. What was but your the, number one but song? the like, okay, hold on. Everybody holds for dramatic effect. I bet it had one of those drops in it, didn't it? <laughs> Let's put a, yeah, it definitely had a, something like that. Exactly. 
<laughs> All right, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, rap. I think now that I'm remembering, my top song was a Salardo song. And I think it was like My Power or Power or something like Salado. that. Yeah. I saw Salado. Great time. It's yeah. a good time. Good fun. So I'm, at, so I'm at a pool party in Vegas. Oh. Dom, your casual stunting is is not appreciated <laughs> by Mr. Ryanair over here. I genuinely, it's, it's one of the worst afternoons of my life as well. I was that, have you been, have, have you been to Vegas? Oh yeah. I was that messed up. This was the Sunday. I was there Friday to Monday. On the Sunday, I was in that bad a state that I had to leave the pool party to go and lie down. I was sweating profusely whilst had the aircon up to the max. How many, was that, was how that many? Like 70 proof. Well, it was, was disgusting. <laughs> huh? What day in Vegas was this? Like This was after two nights. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all you need. Yeah, Vegas. I know. <laughs> I mean, the third night, we're, we're in a club on the third night. I was like, I, I have to do this sober. I cannot continue. Uh, my top song this year, mine is going to be very much, as you'd expect from me, always trying to be cool. It's Cleo Sol, When I'm in Your Arms. Mm. It is. I, I realise there is there is a flaw with raps though because I looked at my top five artists and it all coincides with who I've seen live this year. Top five artists or top five songs played. I had in there Cleo Soul. I had in there um, Black Odyssey. I had in there Isaiah Rashad, Isaiah Rashad and also Arctic Monkeys. All four acts that I've seen this year. So it's always that getting into the vibe and then coming out of the vibe, there's a huge spike, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah that's that's how mine's turned out that way. I Yeah, I would love to know what the algorithm is because obviously mine's going to be skewed towards the music I have to play for my spin classes and stuff like that. But then I'm like, surely the summer, like all summer, all I played was basically Afrobeats, uh, Amapiano and renaissance like on repeat and you'd think that like that was when i was mostly listening to music yeah alas alas we've got solomon (laughs) in like like, the top five oh man so it's a lot from from the uk aren't they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i rate that i love that so uh my number one song of the year was uh 26 by paramore hold on to Because, Everyone, uh, your hands. Huh? Huh? Dom, this Do it. Is, Dom. Do it. Dom, don't. Have you seen what's it? Phone job. Phone job. <laughs> Do the dance. <laughs> Do the dance. I would just like to point out that this podcast tagline is the world is told by black faces where? In white space. And this guy's trying to pretend that he ain't heard Paramore as a I've black not heard Paramore. Voice. I've not heard Paramore. Lies. Linkin Lies. Park. Blink 182. Who's that one that I saw? Foo Fighters. That's oh, only, as far only, as I know. Those are all the, the white people, you know. <laughs> is that the same genre? Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live. Is it the same genre? Would we say uh, it's the same rock, genre? Rock, Paramore's yeah. pop rock. Is that what the others are? Um, no, yeah. Foo Fighters is rock. 
I like Foo Fighters. Yeah. I, I don't like this conversation. This, this, okay. <laughs> this is how I fit in when I was a young Tom, This is how some of your work colleagues want to talk to you about hip hop. So it's like, so we've got, we've got Vanilla I'm Ice. trying to connect with you. And then we've got Eminem. And that's, <laughs> that the continuum? And Will Smith. And, well, no, because the one, uh, um, that Macklemore, Mac he, he won the Grammys, didn't he? Over the, um, that Kendrick I'm trying to connect with you about Paramore. <laughs> I'm not dissing you. I might have called you Jimmy Butler in a group chat. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not dissing you. Hold on, let me let me just show my face and we can do it a side by side because Jimmy Butler <laughs> comes in every year on smoke. You have to do the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually so that was my most played because whenever I was touring the show, like Paramore was like our anthem. Like so that's that's that. Mm -hmm. The number one song that's not off that anthem is uh, Addictions by Brent Fires. Baby used to love the drugs to be. Maybe it's all you Maybe I don't need a hug. Maybe I'm just fucked up. Y'all really, really mixed up. <laughs> and I would just like to point out that if you've been around me when that song comes on and you've seen me kind of get into that song, particularly the bit where he's like, maybe it's the love, the drugs, the weed. Don't say the next one. Maybe it's all the above. Maybe I don't need a hug. Maybe I'm just messed up. The way I get into that, I need therapy. Mm. But I love it. Mm. I love it. It's so, right. Um, what Evanescence. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other one. Is that wake, wake me up? <laughs> oh, and you know it, know it. Yeah. You Save me. That yeah. one. I know that tune. That, you sound like an it's old Jason. man who's like <laughs> heard a little nonsense. I'm still, I'm still at Paramore trying to figure out the other ones that I know. No, I love that. I've, I've got nothing against it. I rate it. You know, you know, you, you know so... Irish rock, you know though, right? Like the Pogues. Yeah, and the Cranberries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Thin Lizzy. Who sung the, the House of the Rising Sun? Are they Irish? House of the Rising Sun? There is a house in your land. You mean from like the 70s? Yeah. They call the rising sun. Is that, is, so, is that Jello and I are really just staring at each other. It's been very covered. Uh, it's It's like Eric. It's me. Something in the animals or bad. Something. I can't remember. I don't know Irish rock. Like no. So the bewitched. I want to throw it like right. Oh this has God. been black in a box. <laughs> <laughs> bewitched comes on. Is call it a day. Call it a day. Um, so no. What I wanted to ask you, Dom, is what what is driving your your kind of musical taste. So when this podcast first started, I put so much effort into finding new music. Mm. Whereas now it's like, I'm basically leeching off what other people's work. So you'll put something in, I'll look at that. Or I'm going back to, I've basically regressed back to 2007. Mm. Like a lot of the artists I listen to now, are the same artists I was listening to in 2007. So I'm still, you know, I'll listen to Fallout Boy as well. Um, I listen to like some of the old, um, Little Wayne albums and stuff like that, and it, and I'm just wondering is that, is I is this is this it now? Like I've got to a certain age where it's like I, I ain't got no new music. Nah, so I I understand that because I do have certain playlists because I'm really anal about this stuff, and I will there'll be certain days when I'm in my 2010 to 2015 playlist. Sometimes it could be whatever era, but I still. I love the discovery of new music. I don't go and spend as much time as I used to trying to find new music. Just I don't have the time to do that. And my consumption of music has also changed. It's my commute. It's sometimes when I'm trying to hunker down at work, that kind of stuff. So it's typically slower, mm -hmm. which is, I think, why you'll see Cleo Sol at the top of my, my listen to this year. Her, Salt, 
um, Black mm-hmm. Odyssey. Again, I guess you could call him a hip hop artist, but it's much more melodic. Um, it's a lot slower, but I, I still love finding, they don't necessarily need to be new artists, but finding something that I've not heard before. So um, Black Pumas, I, I found them this year. I know this latest album have just had Chronicles of a Diamond. Y'all need, y'all need to listen to the album. It's an incredible album. Um, very bluesy. Um, and I just get that feeling when I listen to new artists for the first time, or new artists to me, and I'm like, this is reinvigorating. This is something that I needed to hear. Same with, I know again, she's not new, but Cleo Soul stuff this year, I think, just the output. I think we probably spoke about her and Inflow last year as well. Just relentless, the quality. And I think Salt were actually performing in London before the end of the year. I've no idea when or where. They're being very cryptic as per. Um, but Bro, you are our connect. We need a ticket to that. If anyone's going to be there, I will be there. But I don't know how. Okay. I don't know how. I don't know how. I might have to call in some favours probably from the guy that's not here right now because he's usually the hookup. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I love it. And, and oh, another one. Um, what are they called? Gabriel's. Gabriel's. Again, unbelievable. Soulful, beautiful group. I think two of them are from Sunderland and one of them's from like Alabama. It's the weirdest. Mm. That is not even that much of an exaggeration. What it's the, the weirdest, weirdest like trio you've ever seen. But the music is beautiful. So it's, I still have that hunger. I am having to, to rely on algorithms, stuff that is, I don't know, recommended to me on YouTube, that kind of stuff. Um, but no, man, I can't just stick to my 2005 playlist. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stick, with, I can't leave YouTube just on because after four videos, it will be like, here's a Kevin Samuels video. I'm like, what? I was just, I was just listening to. Like, you you okay. must be, you must be too good with looking at both sides because I don't get none of that shit on there. I don't get any of that stuff on there. It's it's not the main videos. When you're on the YouTube shorts and you scroll through, so I can literally, I started today, I was like, I want to watch some old Larry Bird clips. Actually, I want to watch people talking about how great Larry Bird was at talking shit. So we get three or four Larry Bird videos. Then I got a Michael Jordan video. Then I got one of those, you know, those motivational coaches and they always say this, how bad do you want it? Yeah. Michael Jordan missed 40,000 shots. And that's why he's the greatest. You ain't even put up 40,000 shots. And then it's Kevin Samuels being like, this woman thinks she's worth 30,000. And then it always <laughs> ends up with flipping Jordan Peters. I'm like, I wanted to watch people talk shit about Larry Bird. Uh, you see, I don't get that. I get ridiculous stuff. <laughs> and then I always get Brian Cox for some reason. The scientist, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. actor. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking actor. I was like, the that's a stretch. The one who talks about science. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> this. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And it just, it just, whatever I'm doing, I'm in. Um, so if he have, if he's ever interviewed by a Jordan Peterson or something, I'll, I'll be there watching it because I love that guy. He's oh my brilliant. god, Alana, what's your music consumption been like I this year? Aside from unce unce. 
I mean, I don't like, I, I don't really use YouTube for music consumption. So it's just, I'm kind of at the mar the mercy of Spotify because it's all I really use. Or Dom, honestly, you send me a lot of stuff. So you'll be like, this sounds like it's a bit like up your, up, I wanted to say up your alley, but then after the last episode, let's <laughs> oh, oh. black out your box. I got, I that got, is actually suspended. I got sheepish. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Do you use TikTok? I've got a lot of music recommendations. No, but TikTok. I want to talk about TikTok. And this is actually one of the things I was going to mention just in reviewing this year and specifically music. TikTok is ruining music for me. It is ruining bangers because that freaking water song, so good when you that first what, Tyler? Yes, so one. good. And then I heard it every single goddamn day. And anytime a challenge is put to a song, it just, it was like, pew, like a firework, just like here and then gone but and now I'm over it. I, I get what you're saying. but that And that's, is, it happens all the time, specifically things that catch on TikTok. deliberately because now artists realize you need a 15 second part of your track that can be made for TikTok. Yeah. Because do you know what I did today for the first time? Because I had time on, during my six and a half hours, screw you conservative government, my six and a half hours on public transport. I actually listened to that song the whole way through. I, I didn't realize that song had verses, two verses, yeah. as well as the chorus. You see, I, I and got the verses are so on, different on, uh, from the Spotify. chorus. I love that song. I didn't even know that it was a TikTok song. Oh, it's a, it's a very TikTok song, but it's got that 15 second bit. Yeah, All the, the artists now will, yeah. you, but it's very but I serious. Think I, so this is one of the reasons, like I, I actually don't like that this is happening for from a personal reason. I used to be able to, you know, you get excited about an album dropping, you buy the whole album, you listen to it front to back, and then you would like listen to it again and again and pick which songs you actually really resonated with. Then with streaming services, my ability to pay attention to a whole album or even like a whole song is just getting less and less and less. And now with TikTok, it's like even worse. Like I can just tell, even though I don't find music on TikTok, somehow with Instagram, I don't know if it's the scrolling through and then I hear snippets of it. It's mm. like, I feel like I've heard the whole song and then I never actually go listen to the song or the artist. So you should listen to? Huh? Drake, because he makes music <laughs> like that. <laughs> No, that's the whole no, reason he has twenty some albums in each song. I'm not talking is about two it. minutes fifteen long. It's it's strange. What I will say though is that um, I the one thing I, I looked at the Spotify Wrapped and it says what kind of listener you are, and they were like, you will listen to the start of an album and play it all the way through. And I was like, yep, new synonym for old person just dropped. <laughs> I will listen to the full album because yeah. some people around this table uh, complain if an album's over like forty five minutes long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but actually, if if the project is good, I wanna I wanna consume it. No, 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 no. And I stand by this. Most and there are obviously outliers here. Like one of my favorite albums, To Pimp a Butterfly, is over an hour long. There are some albums that deliver on that length. But most albums, once you start hitting fifty-five to seventy minutes, there's one hundred percent stuff that you could have left on the cutting room floor. It didn't need to be in there. It's not about it's too long. I don't care. It's not about my attention span. It's like Schoolboy Q. What was that album? Blank Face LP, 2016. Unbelievable album. Incredible album. Again, it comes in at like 65 minutes. There's like three songs on that album that everyone's just like, why is this on there? It doesn't need to be on there. Just listen. This is why the, what, what are they called? The A&Rs, they need to do a better job. They need to do a better job. Like, we don't need this record on here. But you know why they make the album so long, right? 
Why? Because streams on Spotify. No, 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 no. Yeah, I understand that. That's it's nothing to do with streams. It's it, nothing to do with how long it is. It's the number of tracks. I get that. I understand why they'd pack 25 songs onto an album. I'm just talking like legacy. Like there's so many albums that don't need to be as long as they are. So many. Like if you think like back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, the best albums, so many of them are not much longer than 40 minutes. It's just perfect, 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 perfect. Cut, boom. Or they had an A side and a B side and usually one was better than the other. Um, I will say this about my musical consumption this year. I've been getting a lot of new artists from going to actually see live music. We went to City Splash earlier in the year. I forgot that that was this year we went to City Splash, which is big on like Amapiano, reggae, bass music, garage, like the whole basically just UK black. It's a reggae Akiba. festival. It is a reggae <laughs> festival, but it's so much more because like, I didn't want to say like, oh, black music because people are just going to think hip hop, you know. When the but, like, you it's, talking about? Just call it reggae, bro. It's a reggae but festival. But it's not. <laughs> No, because I saw Uncle Waffles and she's not reggae. Yeah, no, but it's it's reggae et al. But it's a reggae festival. <laughs> okay. So we will say reggae et al. Because but think about like who are the headliners? Chronics. Chronics. And then who was after that? Coffee. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Max Romeo was there. But, it, but I got a lot of new music from that. And if not new music, a reinvigoration yeah, yeah, of yeah, listening yeah. to certain genres that I hadn't listened to in a while. And I think that's what will happen to me is I'll I'll get a hankering for a certain genre, a certain vibe, and then I'll just go reggae radio on Spotify or whatever and see what comes up. You'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just find hearing the word reggae in an American accent funny. Reggae. reggae. <laughs> UB40, they put a lot of food on a lot of reggae. They did. I've, they, I don't have anything uh, against UB40 at all. Neither does any Jamaican. They, no, no. they, all, they like Paramore can bring a plate to the cookout. So. I'm sure they can. Mm. So the journalist Dave Dennis had a really interesting article a few months back talking about the, well, it would have been last year, the 50th anniversary of hip hop and how hip hop needs to have its Me Too moment. And lo and behold, this year, uh, one of perhaps the biggest rap moguls, Diddy, Diddy Pup, Brother Love, Puff Puppet Daddy, Pup. Sean Coombs, uh, was sued by his former partner, Cassie, um, and uh, for uh, sexual abuse, emotional torture, and a whole host of things. The, is it called the affidavit? The, the, the charging mm, article mm, mm. was really horrendous, and I'm sad that I watched it, I read it, sorry. Um, but hip hop seems to be having a hip hop moment. And I know Ali, that you wanted to speak to this situation. Well, I was just curious if, if we think that this is going to start a trend to have that sort of Me Too movement, because we had, um, as you say, Diddy and Cassie, um, who else just, came out recently about their abuse or even just within this space. I don't even want to say necessarily hip hop, but within black mainstream culture, we have had a lot of women coming out about either sexual abuse, financial abuse or manipulation and control, um, physical abuse. You have Kiki Palmer, you know, talking about her former partner. Um, and I think a number of women have started to come out kind of in quick succession in the last couple of months really and then obviously we have Tory Lanez being convicted of having shot Megan um which we all knew and hoped was coming um 
so I'm just wondering if this if now is the time that we're going to start to see more of these stories come out and if so what the result is going to be because it's felt a little bit like you know in the me too mo- movement uh in Hollywood a couple years ago um all of these people started to come out of the woodwork and then even some other men sort of chimed up and said I support women they really wanted to be you know on the good side of history and were kind of throwing their fellows under the bus but you don't really see that happening in let's just say the hip-hop community where someone could do something so wrong like blatantly wrong like shoot a woman in the foot for no reason and then you have all of these men doubling down to back up the perpetrator of harm so I um, saw this amazing quote. It's not about black men in sort of hip hop, but it said um, the problem with liberals is they're um, against every war except the current one. And they think they believe it should never violence should never again happen except in this current circumstance. <laughs> and and I thought that was like a brilliant summation, I think, of what really happened. We've had a lot of movements over the last couple of years. And and I think that what's happened is people are like, I agree with um, your uh, aims, but I don't agree with how you should get there. I'm kind of paraphrasing Martin Luther King. And to answer your question, is this going to herald a change? No. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Megan The Stallion is one of the most famous women of color on the planet, uh, universally beloved, has ushered in this wave of body positivity, of um body autonomy Mm -hmm. and she was clowned Mm -hmm. and people are making literal livings off of clowning black women dj academics is one i think the way that joe budden has talked about uh certain things and joe budden kind of who was it that joe budden was talking about where it was clear the person was gay but he's like this guy helped me in my career so i'm I'm not going to say anything about him and it's like well hold on a second so it's transactional so if megan stallion's going through that um and we know that we live in a world of NDAs, uh, it's not gonna herald a change. And the problem is, is any, if you think of the most famous black women on the planet, they have all been lampooned. Michelle Obama was regularly being called a monkey. Uh, uh, Serena Oprah Williams. always gets it. Oprah. Serena. Um, even, even Beyonce. Beyonce. So one of the, th- I saw something on the internet that said, oh, a lot of, a lot of you are silent when um, it's Beyonce that's being critiqued. And somebody responded with something that I thought was actually really true. It's it's not that we're silent, it's that she's the most critiqued woman and we don't feel the need to kind of have to speak to every single time that she's being critiqued. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the problem with hip hop, um, (laughs) it could be an entire uh, seven page, seven uh, novel anthology, but the problem is, is that it is still wrapped up in this idea of machismo, that we mm-hmm. we don't snitch, that uh, yeah. your girl is your girl and you that's your property. And if somebody even looks at her, that's somehow her fault. Um, and anything that you do that upholds your honor, like keeping it real is, is justified. But look, <laughs> Chris Rock in 2005 said, I love hip hop, but I'm tired of defending it. And how many times do we, ha- like Don, we had a moment at Carnival where we were loving Carnival, it was a vibe, and then there was a song that was playing, we were just like, nah, not in 2023. Mm. Can't, can't, can't be listening to that in 2023. Mm. Um, 
but it's the the violence you can't you can't have a a medium of music where what gets played the most because hip hop is so broad and so vast. I grew up on yeah. Mo Steph and Chuck D, but I also grew up on you know Two Live Crew and <laughs> don't Google that Gen Z. Uh, you'll counsel me just for listening to it. Um, but when it is so present in the lyrics and it's so present in the videos, like there's no female equivalent of DJ Khaled. Just some. Ugly but talented <laughs> artist. There's no, there is no woman version of DJ Khaled. Just, oh no, she her rap's fire, but like she, she she's just ugly and fat. But don't worry, she, yeah. she got charisma out the wazoo. Yeah, <laughs> but but because it could never happen because the first because for women you have to be visual. You have to be visual. And I suppose like with hip hop, there's so much misogyny, just like you said, embedded in what gets played the most that it's really hard to then defend people within that sort of artistry who are kind of propping that up. I'm not saying that it's right that you shouldn't defend those people when you know they experience some sort of abuse, but I could see how it's hard to rally the general public around somebody who's sort of like saying, this is my experience and I've had um, this abuse done towards me as a woman, but then you're also within sort of the same system that is so misogynistic. I th you, again, if my second reference to, well, actually my first, I had another one in my mind, but uh, there's a it, really interesting bit in the film Dreamgirls and it's like, yeah, oh wow, you, you know, quoting from a film that's 16 years old. But it's when uh, Effie's brother is trying to sing this sort of black empowerment song and Jamie Foxx's character goes, ain't nobody want to hear that shit. Mm. And it's like, we have created, uh, not we, but a system has been created where if a young black person is talking misogyny, is talking trap life, is talking violence, we will we will buy it. You don't even need to be an artist. You know, Bobby Schmurder kind of released, and li listen to his name, Bobby Schmurder releases Hot N-Word. And we're like, beats fire. And he, you know, and all of his friends there. And then he gets put away. Because actually that was his life. Mm. Um, but if you, there's a clip and Dom, I will see if I can find it. But it was a marketer that said, you cannot, uh, you could not go into an office and say that I have an artist that is talking about um, killing a specific subset of people and we think it's gonna be really entertaining unless it was a black person. We've just so normalized this I this idea that black equals violence. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those where people go, well, if you listen to your music. And it's like, you can go, but I listen to like Michael Kiwanuka or mm -hmm. I listen to uh, Block Party. It's like, no, 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 no. But you know, Paramore. Look, stop this in Paramore. <laughs> Her next door neighbor growing up was Rodney Hood, who was an NBA player. That's why she can dance so well, so. <laughs> True story. Okay. And it's where she got the gospel inference from as well. So, okay. Okay. anywho, okay. fuck with me. <laughs> Look, I, 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 to me, okay, so let's just, I guess, call it out. A big difference in the Me Too movement that happened versus what I'm talking about now is that predominantly it was white women. Um, and they were actors, entertainers, not within this sort of realm that we're talking about, which is hip hop, which is a lot of that machismo, unfortunately misogynistic and mostly black. Um, so, but, and yeah, I don't think that the women who have experienced abuse in 
within the hip hop culture or within black culture are any less entitled to justice now or their own movement now than the women who came forward during the Me Too movement. So I guess my question is, even if we don't think that this is gonna inspire some sort of change, I think it is deserved and I think those stories do need to come to light. But how do we kind of bridge that gap between like, okay, just because they're women in hip hop doesn't mean they're any less deserving of the awareness that the women of the Me Too movement got. I think it will continue to gain momentum on social media. I think I don't really have much hope or expectation that many male artists are gonna speak out because Mm -hmm. if we use Sean Coombs as an example, there is a hell of a lot of hip hop that is still terrified of him. Yeah. And unfortunately that is important. If people are scared of the repercussions of speaking out about certain people, they're just gonna keep their mouth shut. I've seen so many different podcasts where people who have dealt with him have implied, Mm. they've not explicitly said it, they've implied certain things about him and, and given advice to other people in the room as to, you shouldn't really mess with that person. You shouldn't really deal with that person because it's not gonna be good for you. Mm-hmm. And if that is the kind of aura, the fear that is around these perpetrators of horrible, horrible crimes, then it's just like in the streets. It's like that you don't say nothing, you just keep your mouth shut and turn a blind eye to it. And I think because so much of that culture is still ingrained within hip hop, yeah. it ain't gonna change anytime soon. I'd like Think about like the Young Thug trial at the moment. How many people stopped listening to Gunner's music because he snitched on Young Thug? Do you, I, I don't care. I, yeah. I don't care at all. Like, why does that matter to you? You are not living that life. Why? That's the thing that I think is crazy too, is then you have men who, <clears throat> like I said, will double down for someone that they've done a song with or are in business with, or they're on the same label or whatever. And it's like, but you're just wrong. You're just wrong and you're not even snitching, but you don't have to like go up for these people or like cape for somebody who's a piece of shit. That, I think that like for Tory Lanez, it was like so many men. I genuinely think it is, it's almost like a cost benefit analysis that they will do and it won't be the individual that does it, it will be their team around them. Like what is the impact of us continuing to work with and stick by this person versus if we stand up against them? But, and if there's more money to be made from the, the, the former, then that's what we're gonna go with. I genuinely, I don't have any faith in the vast majority of celebrities rather than just musicians, I'm talking about celebrities in general. It's like, yeah. what do we do that is gonna make the most money and that's the one that we'll go with. It's I, just like, a bit, it's business, that's all it is. Well, and I think the way that they justify it, and I'm taking, borrowing this from um, Hannah Gadsby, it's on my um, Instagram grid somewhere down. Um, the problem is, is that I think a lot of these men genuinely think they're acting in good faith and they go, if, if, if this artist crosses my line, then they're out. And the problem for women is that every guy's got a different line of what's acceptable. Mm. So we don't have this standard line because for some people it would be like, well, come on, if he bought her like a 30, 30 pound meal, she should have expected that, you know, there was gonna be, you know, he needed a receipt for his for his largesse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the, the way that manifested and kind of agreeing with what you said, Dom, is that some people will go, 
look, it's wrong, but if I work with Diddy and it launches my career, then I'll be able to donate lots of money to mm-hmm. women that are affected by, or people that are affected by his behavior. Mm-hmm. And because everybody has a different line, that's why you could have some people that in the middle of Me Too going, believe all women, but also Bill Cosby's accusers, you know, why have they waited so long? Yeah. yeah. They're doing it for the money. They're doing it for the fame. They're doing it for the attention, but also believe all women because actually people, kind of compartmentalize and they will go Bill Cosby I haven't seen him do that I just know him as you know America's dad and the pudding pop guy yeah like they they kind of go he can't do that yeah like if I there's this idea that because somebody plays a nice guy on TV that they must be a good guy yeah um so yeah I believe all women except that one yeah I mean people still go up for R. Kelly and he's basically been like yeah I did all that <laughs> so <laughs> Well, that I always the moment where it was like kind of come on, R. Kelly. Like, it was the bit where he go where the interviewer says, uh, "Do you like teenage girls?" Oh, God. and he goes, "How young are we talking?" And it's like, no, no, that's the incorrect response. <laughs> Let me ask the question again, Mister <laughs> Mister R. Uh, and and so it's one of. But then doesn't every time we have one of these exposes, I always go. It's, they're never, they never do it alone. There is always a support system. Yeah. There's always somebody to arrange the payment. There's always somebody to drive the person to the place where the badness is going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody that's going to bring the uh, uh, fun enhancements, whatever they may be. And this is the problem, is that a lot of a reason why I think it's very rare that these things go to trial or you'll hear that somebody goes to jail and why somebody like Bill Cosby is the exception rather than the rule. It's because if you actually lift up that rock, it's the it's the wire thing. You follow drugs, you get drug dealers. But if you follow money, you have no idea where it's going to go. And, you know, <laughs> we, we live in a world where we found out that there was a guy that had like a sexual abuse island. And and every every famous person you know has got at least one picture with him. Yeah, but we just were like, nah, he um he hung himself in jail, and let's just move past it. Well, th- this is it, isn't it? At the end of the day, in music, in any kind of closed industry, and I'm saying music just as an industry in itself, anyone that's been around, mu- I'm not just saying hip hop, music performances, live performances, gigs, you know that nothing happens backstage without everyone backstage knowing what's happening. So if that's what it's like in there, just when you're performing, imagine what it's like in the studio. Every single person that's worked with P Diddy knows exactly what was going on there. Mm. They all know. Same with Tory Lanez and Meg Thee Stallion. Everyone, they all know. So when it comes out to us, it's like, oh my God, this is shocking. This is terrible, which it is. But they all knew. They've had their opportunity to speak up. If they weren't going to then, I don't think they're going to now. I really don't. These people are in bed with each other and it's dirty. Yeah. It's dirty. I mean, 50 Cent's been speaking out on PDD for years, but also think how powerful 50 Cent is and he's always done it in a very cryptic way. Like, mm-hmm. he was like, this guy was like, yeah, let me take you out to dinner. I'll buy you dinner. He's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm good. It ain't gonna happen. Sorry, Alana. Sorry, all women. It's terrible. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> this, is, this has been fun. <laughs> but you know what it is, though, is that kind of, uh, the, to put a bow on it, the reason that it won't happen is because um, I am not mature enough yet where if one of my friends I knew was exhibiting that kind of behavior, was committing those kind of things, the, the proper thing that I should do to make a change 
is call them out, but stick around them to see and hopefully that to change your behavior. Whereas I know I would go, I just don't want to hang out with you. So what then happens is I go, well, me and my me and my crew, we're we're okay. But it's because actually I'm I'm kind of pruning. Um, but actually, what we need to because those people still get swept up. They still like. And this is why there are so many comedians, and we talked we talked about this in so many pods where there is a grift for disaffected men who don't want to do the work. And go, do you know? I just want to live in a world where I can um, laugh at somebody making a domestic abuse joke or a sexual assault joke. Like it's just it's just a bit of fun, and because and I think that those men that are kind of I'll speak for myself who kind of I'd like to believe I'm kind of quote unquote down for the cause. But it's like, if there was somebody in my circle that was engaged in that kind of behavior, I'd probably just cut them out. But actually what I should be doing is, mate, that's actually really messed up what you're doing and you need to consider it and be willing to be uncomfortable. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to be uncomfortable, but not continuously. Because at some point I go, well, if I stay with it, I'm condoning it. Um, and I think there is this sense that actually for it to change, it has to be not just standing in the gap, but actually trying to pull that gap closer together as opposed to just going oh this guy is a, he's an idiot yeah but i think i do think this the whole anti-snitch culture particularly embedded okay. within that community is is key and it's stupid you do need to cut those people off though as well you do but also i but if you're not going to if, if i'm not going to try and rehabilitate them that is the thing is when you have weeds in your garden you put down weed killer they're dead it's not like you they kind of go and spread elsewhere. Um, and it's a horrible metaphor that I'm using there. Uh, and I realized it as I started saying it, but I'm gonna <laughs> stick with it anyway. But if you've got if you've got friends that kind of start with the I'm not being funny or you know, I got absolutely um, smashed out my face last night and ended up in bed with someone, it's like, well, hold on a second, how does the other person think about that? Uh, yes, you can cut them out, but actually is that really helping them to rehabilitate? And if, if it's not you, if it's not for you as a friend, who, who, whose responsibility is it? No, I, th I think that's important. I think it is important that you have to cut them out. Obviously, with the conversation, we had a situation, Dan and I knew someone, and without going into the whole details, I think this part's really important. He had done a lot of horrific things that were brought to a lot of people's attention that didn't know about these things. One of those things was a video went around of him performing fellatio on a man. And another one of the things that was released was the fact that he had cheated on his girlfriend. She caught chlamydia. And instead of telling her, fessing up, he was putting medication into her food to try and get rid of the chlamydia without her knowing about it, right? When I called him up on this and a lot of other things, he was protesting about the fact that he wasn't gay. That video wasn't me. I'm not gay. And I was saying to him clearly, I don't give a fuck whose genitals you're playing with. I don't mm -hmm. care what kind of genitals it is, who they belong to, as long as they're consenting. Mm -hmm. But I do give a fuck about you drugging your girlfriend. Yeah. I do give a fuck about being a horrific, horrific human being in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then you cut them off. And then when you've got your whole close-knit friendship group are cutting you off, and then you go off into your life, and you meet people, and they're asking you, oh, who are your mates at uni? Where are your mates at uni? You've got a huge gap in your life that you've now got to explain. So I think that's important. Mm. You tell people about themselves, then cut them out of your life. It's not my problem anymore. 
you've got to deal with this. You have to deal with this now. Well, that's probably why it's important for yeah. the women to speak out at least because they could say this has happened to me. And then the people who are worth shit will say, all right, well, fuck that person and we're done then. Mm. And then there will always be the people who stick in their corner. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, you do need to tell them about themselves, but then you do need to cut them off because at the end of the day, it's them that are going to have to explain why they've been cut off, why these people don't chat to them anymore. And they can make up lies, they can make up all kinds of shit, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that have to explain it. Mm -hmm. If you're out there listening, you're a dirty bastard. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. He's back. He's Big man, back. Dan. He's back. Leads and back in a day. He's been in Leeds, not Timbuktu. It's not, <laughs> it's not, not that hard to go up and down in a day. Rock. On a, on a strike day. Yeah, that, that it basically is. Impressive. is that is very too. impressive. I, but I was not a scab. I did not defy the strikes. I support people striking where they need to strike. Um, it's just reduced service, obviously. People just, you know, yeah. if you can avoid traveling, do so. <laughs> but I couldn't avoid it. So the most important thing is I am here now. Energy gang. Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Feeling it. Feeling. Feeling. <laughs> Feeling hot, hot, hot. Beyonce. I tell you, it is hot. Oh. Mm. Her PR team right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> three away. He, he's come on, just hit the three. <laughs> nah. Opposite free throw line. Loving it. Yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for them, and and I feel like. Back in the firing line, I went to see Renaissance. We don't need to go back into that. I loved it. I had a great time. Mm. You know, and there was a baby inside a woman at that show. Hold tight to that baby because it must be out now. <laughs> so that's Ooh. a propo of nothing. A woman came and she was big pregnant. Oh. Okay. <laughs> She's okay. big pregnant. There was a lot of context that was missing there. Yeah. I, there was, yeah, I didn't really add much, did I? There's a pregnant <laughs> woman at the show. She brought her baby that's about to pop to Beyonce and, you know. I hope you're well. I hope, hope they're well. Mm. I hope I hope they are well. But in the news, Beyonce, Renaissance, Jello, Pracy. Just give us a top line. Um, the Beyonce track Break My Soul is being used as an anthem by a number of uh, Israeli I believe they are settlers in one of the disputed areas. And Beyonce has come under a lot of criticism online, mostly from what I've seen by black American women for being silent on the biggest issue of the day to them, which is the violence in uh, Gaza and Israel. Can you control who seizes on your anthems? No, but you can speak up if you don't like it. You can. Didn't that's happened at Tory party conferences before, hasn't it? it? That yes, it has. It has. That is very low hanging fruit. <laughs> saying that you don't want <laughs> Boris, you don't want Boris Johnson to shamble on with that weird bow legged, wide legged stance <laughs> on the stage at a Tory party conference is a very different thing to saying these people in this place should not be playing my music in the context of what's going on. I, I, I would say that is arguably 
two different scenarios. However, do you think she could have done something or her team could have done something in this instance? I don't think they care. I think just keep making money. Don't alienate a whole country is what they'll be thinking. Don't alienate a huge portion of the world is what they'll be thinking. I genuinely think it's that simple. I'd also love to know what the distribution sort of agreement was for the film. Because if you see the film, the the tour itself was four years in production. So, I mean, obviously she produced the film this year. It was probably ready several months ago, probably four, probably when the deal had been made with AMC theaters and whoever else is distributing worldwide. It's probably prior to this conflict. And I'm just curious, like I know that obviously Beyonce could, if she really was like, I'm just anti-Israel, I'm gonna make sure that like this doesn't air there. I'm just curious like how much she could really sway that deal when she only is nah, 50% of it. Nah, nah. I'm, not, I, I'm just, nah, wanna, I'm not, I'm I'm just asking it. the question. I'm not having it. And I'll tell you why I'm not having it. Because um, Beyonce has got... Before before kind of all of the stuff started coming out about their personal life, Will Smith was very much like Beyonce in the sense that everybody thought they knew his business. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Skip <laughs> <laughs> uh, <hit> that bit. <laughs> everybody thought they knew his business, but actually what it was is that he was... He let his art speak for itself. He would come out, he would do a press junkie, he'd be very, very personable. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing again. Let his art speak let for his, itself. Let his clap. <laughs> <laughs> now then, you Turn around now. It's always me. Why always, how do you think the Balotelli? Why always me shirt? Um, no, but actually, we didn't know anything about him, but he was so personable that you thought that you knew. The same thing, Beyonce really only speaks through her art. She doesn't give interviews. She's famous for not giving interviews. She has almost complete creative control over what goes out. You're never going to kind of see some interview given in anywhere that she has not signed. And so her decision to speak or not speak is absolutely calculated. And I... Th where I will defend Beyonce is that, you know, Beyonce ain't like Marvin Gaye. She's not Bruce Springsteen. She's not putting out uh, uh, politics through the music with the ability to change the world through it. I was listening to an NPR podcast and there was this wonderful quote by the... Um, by the presenter, who said Beyonce's politics as she puts them out through her art and through her public image are very much based in celebration, joy, and palatability. And the thing is, is that if your message, if your political message is palatable, that usually means it's lacking specificity. And that's why, if you know the song and the lyrics, break my, you know, break my soul being co-opted by people whose politics are not what's considered leftist. I think that's because her political messaging is always been so palatable and so general that anybody can project their values onto something that she's made. And I think that is the Beyonce thing, that her thing is she exists almost as a blank canvas for people to project their kind of idealized version of her on it. Um, her not speaking on this is a choice in the same way that the fact that a story has come out today saying that she has invited one of the, there's a nine-year-old uh, girl who was a hostage who's been freed and she's been given an invite to one of her shows. By someone. 
but, like, but let's say like let's just buy someone who's doing a screening that could be the person who ran, runs the theater because i did say that on those projections though does that include yourself because we we're sitting here talking again about her again about it and it's the same issue which which rise up again and again why do we keep having this expectation of She's her a pop star She's yeah. like Beyonce is not something else. She's a pop star. She's very important to a lot of black people. She's very important to a lot of queer people. But she is a pop star. Her music is the thing. Like none of us know shit about Beyonce. It really annoys me how people get so wound up and heated about this. Like heated. Big tune still. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we, that's that's what she is. We can also why do we tune expect, that. <laughs> why, Please, yeah. I can actually, yeah. Why why do Please we expect do. more from them? Like, why do we really? I think it's because she is a black woman and we tend to think that we hold ourselves to a different level of expectation because of what we as a people tend to go through. But she's a pop star. That's I, all it is. I do think when you admire, I mean, I could see, obviously, I'm, 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 I have no issue with Renaissance, the movie, and, and Beyonce, really. Um, but I do kind of see your point, Angelo, in the sense that it is really hard to follow someone who you admire, someone who is a role model, and not project what you want to see from them on them. Mm. So it, we talked about this with Kendrick, right? Mm. We talked about it during um, the pandemic and post-George Floyd where we were like, oh, it'd be really nice to have heard something from Kendrick on this topic. But even then we were like, but why? He's a hip hop artist and he, maybe he'll speak to it. Maybe he won't. And then he eventually did talk about it in, um, uh, Mr. Morale. He did talk about why he was silent during the pandemic and all of that. Didn't need to, but yeah, he's not a politician. We don't go to him for that. And it's just, for me, I feel it's the same for Beyonce. Like it would be nice if she had the exact same ideals that I did, but I don't know her and that's ultimately not why I admire her or why I support her and what I hope to to get from what she puts out in the world. Um, and I would also kind of disagree with the idea that she is so unspecific in her work that people can kind of put on or project what they want onto her because I feel like ever since this, well, probably since Lemonade actually, maybe a little bit in the self-titled, album but definitely in lemonade which was like did you forget that i'm actually black because i am black and i've always been pro-black even if i wasn't shouting about it there was a very clear message and it was for a very specific group and a specific time still a pop album still you know all of this and that and still not giving away too much of her personally but, but, but that that was in keeping with the culture though yeah and if i just want to just so the thing that I was talking specifically about is her political messaging. And there is yeah. something of the David Lammy, where David Lammy, if the issue is anything to do with uh, violence against black people, it's the easiest thing in the world for David Lammy to jump on a table and go, this is awful, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, we need to stop this injustice. And when it's politically convenient to do so, David Lammy will also kind of jump on the table. He jumped on the table with regards to uh, Ukraine and Russia, as as he had every right to do. And I'm not passing a judgment on that. What I'm saying is when there is an issue like this, which is far more gray than black and white, I think mm -hmm. we can all agree, um, that is when I think it's more important that, and David Lammy is a single issue kind of thing. I'm not saying that Beyonce is, but sort of 
he's very much single issue, I think. Um, I think that's when it's more important to like nail your, your colours to the wind and go, if I lose people over this, if I lose fans over this, I'm willing to live with that. And I think because her political messaging has always been very, very palatable, uh, I do like that that term that was used. I think it's very easy for her to take stand on things that it's easy to take a stand about, especially as it pertains to race. So I, I, but I think on this topic, um, the the silence is loud. I don't even think she's ever really taken that much of a political stance. I honestly think mm. it is jumping. We give Drake a hard time for this. I'm not going to give him or Beyonce a hard time for this because this is pop music that we're talking about. When we talk about Beyonce, when we talk about Lemonade, Think about the culture and everything that was happening around that time. It was more black empowerment. It was more wear your hair the, want you, the way that you want to wear it. Be big, be bold, be yourself. When we get to Renaissance, it's exactly the same. The ballroom scene, we're having this resurgence. Beyonce releases that album. It's exactly the same as when she did the Lion King soundtrack. Afrobeats is dying to pop. We do this album. People then put those cultural moments onto a Beyonce onto a Drake, when at the end of the day, they're jumping onto something which is already starting to take shape. So then we start to think that mm -hmm. these people believe what they're putting out. They don't, they're just jumping onto yeah. something that's already getting bigger. Well, but Bring I do in think the props. there's a- Exactly. Bring in the prop, the prop, the LGBTQ. No, you that's go like, back in now. That, that is exactly <laughs> what it is. That, that genuinely, that is what it is. That's what it is. Like why is she on a track? Like Thames was gonna be- The music's finished, get but out. You know what? I, I don't even know if that's, I do think it's like a combination of tapping into something that's happening culturally, but also something that is personal and that maybe because of that, she feels more comfortable speaking to. So obviously like she's a black woman from the South, has had her certain experiences, her parents, the way that she brought up, friends, like, so she was able to speak to things in Lemonade. And all, that was all about also like, her cheating ass husband. <laughs> so it was something yeah, that which she- Which they both turned into a marketing campaign and released albums over. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that they're speaking honest. to things that they have a degree of association with. And same with Renaissance, taking, or, or even taking the capitalism into consideration. But she really did have an uncle who was a gay man who, you know, there's like video footage of her when she's young, like dancing with him, being introduced to like this certain culture and this scene, somebody who was really important in their family. So it's like, I don't see why you can't have all of these things to be being true at once. So having a personal attachment on, you know, for her, something personal that she can latch onto, also tapping into the culture at the moment. And so when it comes to something like, screening a film in Israel or going back to when she did that performance in the Middle East, which I don't agree with. I could also see how it kind of is like, that has nothing to do with me except that I'm just getting a check from this. My issue is it's, it's us, we are the problem. Yeah, because we are the ones that make these people become figureheads because we project all this onto them. Yeah, It's like we, and I know that the queer community, they love her and mm -hmm. they should not, have any reason to not love her. Same as the black the black women's empowerment movement with the other albums that we're talking about. We place her as the figurehead. So then the second you've done that, and then they don't live up to your expectations, it's their fault. No, it's not, it's our fault for yeah. expecting them to be perfect. And it's an inconsistent standard. As Completely. you say, it's only the ones that you love that you, you put up there. Um, I think we've got a, there is a distinction 
between calling out what is rank hypocrisy and understanding the realities of being any kind of act in a in a, a capitalist industry like music of a certain size you can be small you can be a no name and, just, and say you know what I, I can exist on this plane with this core group of this core fan base which will allow me to be unapologetically myself and pick the artist I want to work with and make the music I want to make mm -hmm. but of a certain strata and a certain level there's just there is just certain aspects of the game uh, that they that they have to play and we and we decide as, as fans and consumers if that's palatable with us in certain acts and in other acts so you know we we make that decision with Beyonce people make it with Drake even you know with, with Kendrick with uh, the things that he, that he might say on on Anti Diaries um, mm. it's the, those are the decisions we make right it's it, we, we've got to as we grow older, start to hold ourselves as as accountable as some of these artists that we're that we're listening to. We're that's, that's a bit it. beyond it. That's that's it. That's it. Stop looking at Beyonce to be your spiritual guide. Stop looking at Beyonce to be your idol. <laughs> Why are you I, looking I just, at me? I just I find I find <laughs> pop culture and the consumption of pop culture in 2023 sickening. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, and the way that people hold these people up like they're not just people. Who wipe the batty every month? It's to, ridiculous. To defend society, though, I think that this better know, be good. Oh, it will be. <laughs> Don't worry. I've been cooking all. I've been cooking all thing. I'm working. I'm one rebound away from triple double. Um, but my point, it, my point was going to be, is that we have such a dearth of other political and thought leaders now that we have then looked to people who, through their messaging in their art, have we we have projected. And I think that the failure isn't on the artist, and I don't think it's necessarily on society per se. It's on the leadership because we used to have like when so when um, uh, when Marvin Gaye came out with what's going on, you had people like Kwame Ture still were about. He was a contemporary of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and these weren't niche characters. These were guys that were on big syndicated television. The problem that we have now they had is three channels then. But, but but so they had more rivals on them. Yeah, but that's that's my point. There's so many different more avenues that you can go to now. Those people do exist. They're just not consumed it's, as we're one talking person. About strata, we talk about on that on that Dan was talking about the strata. Yeah, no name no name does not kind of is a drop of water in Beyonce's ocean in that sense. And because you make the kind of <laughs> decisions that a no name has made, you're going to alienate certain people. Completely understandable. My point is, is that when you consider that the two men fighting to be the next president of the United, United States have a combined age of 163, and you kind of consider that uh, a lot of the thought leaders just do not exist on that strata now, and if they do, they are super niche, like a Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is not for yeah. everybody. Um, and all of these artists are not for everybody. So what then happens is people still want to kind of have these totemic figures. And this is me defending the Beyonce's. It's even me kind of defending the Drake's is that they are having, in much the same way that teachers now have to take on the burden of social work, have to take on the burden of ensuring that their kids are fed. These artists are having to take on that, work that should have been taken on by the thought leaders, by the politicians that stand for something because they don't exist. I feel that you're right, Dan, that they do take on some crap that is not theirs to take on. Um, and with that said, I think some of them want the kind of clout that comes with it without the criticism. 
we're in we're in different times, right? Uh, do more people on this earth know Tanahasi Coates or Joey Essex? <laughs> right? Who's Joey Essex? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'll, let's say Sam Thompson, the guy who's in the jungle at the minute. It's going to be Sam Thompson. More people on this on this world know who Sam Thompson is than Tanahasi Coates. Now we get the representations and the leaders and the social and 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 cultural totems that we deserve in 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 this age and. This these are just the times that we are that we're in, unfortunately. So, in saying that, these musicians have to carry the weight. I don't think it's a, I don't know if it is. I was like, cop out. Yeah, they have to carry weight. I'm, I kind of tried to give an explanation of why people want them to carry the weight because mm. so many other people that should be lifting are lacking. Well, how is how is we we don't look for it. It's not about should be lifting. It's just people just simply don't look for it. It's 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 lazy and it's easy to just listen to this song. Oh, you know, it's, it doesn't matter that it's got forty people that wrote it and none of them were ever in the same room and it was crafted by um, AI. AI. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. It's like oh, this this bangs. Oh, this really resonates to them. And you could tell them that. Well, that's absolute bollocks because I just made that up now. <laughs> I but, didn't even write that. Exactly. Uh, and I think. These are the times we're in where we've 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 moved beyond people wanting to look to 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 salvation, and most people just want to have a good time. I do, I, I'll, I'll finish by saying uh, it, with all my, and it is a genuine defense of Beyonce and all kind of artists that they kind of are having to take on a lot of weight. I just think that when there is the, a situation happening like there is in Gaza. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect people that are fans of them, specifically fans of them, mm -hmm. to have an understanding of what their view is on that situation. And I think that's why I've noticed that it's been black women who are supporters traditionally of Beyonce that are like, I would really like to have an answer on this. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, it was the same in, in the Middle East, right? You know, <coughs> there were the people within the queer community who didn't care. And then there were those who were like, really wish you didn't take the check for that one. It's really, really simple. We stopped listening to R. Kelly. If you've got an issue with it, stop listening to Beyonce. It's that simple. She's a singer. That's it. <laughs> We're going to go to Jar Rule now, find out what Jar This is Rule genuinely is. how I felt <laughs> the entire time. Who gives a fuck what Beyonce's got to say about what's going on in Israel and Palestine? I don't want to dance. I'm scared to death. I do not care. It's nonsense. Stop expecting this from these people. <laughs> been a good year right <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a i year. loved the movie and the tour cut, cut. i mean just, just let her go home let her go home she's been pon road i don't know if she's still on the road that tour went on forever yeah it's been another sensational episode of black in a box Had a sensational year as well indeed indeed production have you gone through the roof? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Please stop talking. I really need to, I need to go. <laughs> you I need to go and understand what's saying. You sound like Jim Davidson in the 80s, mate. Like, stop it. <laughs> Jim Davidson. <laughs> oh, part Jim Davidson, part Jim Bowen. Oh. Yeah, honestly. We are um, taking a hiatus now after yeah. this episode. Yeah, little light holiday. Light holiday. I'm off to Sri Lanka. Um, and I think... Just a festive recharge. Hmm. Festive recharge, come back locked, loaded, packed with guests. Hmm. And yeah. On a bambino almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just light, just a light bambino. 
not coming just yet. So a bit of time before that. Not going to lie, I saw Emma last week and I was surprised. It didn't hit me until I saw her. I was like, Ross Clark, you pregnant, pregnant. But yeah, so that's on the way. March, honestly, it's it's it is now. So found out it's it found out she's gonna be a girl. Found out she is Mazel. a girl and gonna come out and go. And that's made it real now. It's made it. It's it's like it's quite an exciting thing. Whereas before, it's it's just a baby, which I can't visualize. But now it's a girl. Everything that I was excited about with it being a boy is like twice as exciting because mm. it's now like things like like teaching. Uh, a boy to play sports it now becomes like a militant act teaching a girl to like to to play football like score a first goal or whatever mm. or like getting someone else to teach her how Isn't to shoot like trying to cancel himself I was literally <laughs> like i was like no but what it's, if she's it's, a he or a they well you this know? is it but it's just having uh, this this fixed label to it it beca- makes it become a, a real thing like getting dom to tell to how to shoot this a is your conscience talk <laughs> 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 wrap it up <laughs> insert a wheel up insert a wheel up there and just... well I'm excited that is amazing yeah, Matt, like, and we know we know the intent there I'm just I'm digging I'm just I'm just ribbing Disgusting. you man I'm joking it's all very exciting oh blessings upon the baby yeah, yeah man like kind of happiness health and yeah. Love and light, that's it. And, and good wealth. 2024. <laughs> Gonna need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, little hiatus, re- back, refresh, refresh, refreshed, revamped, ready to go. 2024. Uh, happy New Year. See you on the flip side. Bye.